Amen. Well, good morning, Livingstones Church. It is good to see you guys. It is good to be with our church family today, um, and to seeing faces. And I tell you, like it was, it was fun. First service, got to see some people we haven't seen for a little while yet. And uh, I'm just, I'm just glad to be with you guys, be with our church family today. And also, just wanted to say thank you to everybody who's joining us online this morning as well. Um, we got our new camera up and running, so hopefully the video quality is a little bit better now than, we, than we've had. Um, but if you haven't joined us in person yet, we look forward to being able to see you guys soon. We've been trying to do our due diligence to uh, make sure we're cleaning everything and having everything sanitized and, and all that and doing our best for, for uh, all the precautions we need to make this just a, a safe environment for everybody. And so if you haven't been able to join us um, back in person yet, uh, we can't wait to uh, we can't wait to see you guys soon. And I, I mentioned this to uh, first service. There's there's something about being in the room with with your people, you know. And uh, like I, like that's that's I look forward to Sunday morning every week because I'm in the room with my people, and that that's what made the the three months that we were apart so hard because we were not we're not with our family. And and there's just something about being in the room. So I just want to encourage you as soon as you're, you're comfortable, you feel able um, to come join us here in person because we need you and you, we need one another um, as well during this time. So I um, just have uh, two things I want to share with you real quick before we go. We are going to take communion at the end of service as we have been doing. So if you did not, did not grab your disposable communion elements, you can go grab one of those um, as well. Uh, I did want to say um, if you have not already done so, I'd encourage you to go onto your app store and download our Livingstones Church app. Uh, there, there's so many like uses, and it's so convenient for so many different things. Um, you can submit prayer requests to us through the church app. You can check in, let us know that you're here. If you're watching online, you can check in and let us know that you're joining us and watching us online. You can give digitally through the app. We have all the sermon notes on the app. Um, our weekly Bible reading plan is also on there. Um, you can listen to podcasts. There's, there's so many things you can do with our Livingstones Church app. So if you've not already done so, I'd encourage you to go online and download um, our Livingstones app. And then I also wanted to just tell you uh, just a continued thank you for your faithfulness and generosity just in giving your tithes and your offerings during this time. Uh, you guys are making a difference. And, and I was... I. I, I, this morning when I, I got here to the church early today, and I actually kind of changed what I was going to talk about as far as giving goes. I was just reading, spending some time with God this morning in my office, and, and I came across 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 and 19. I just wanted to read to you what Paul is writing to his, his young protege. He's a young pastor named Timothy, and he says this. He says, "...command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant." Not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. And in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may be able to take hold of the life that is truly life. And, and there's so much here in this in this passage that I could talk about, um, one of them being what Paul was saying is every single one of us have been richly, richly blessed. Every, every one of us have been. And, and that we should never put 
our hope in our own money or, or, or in our own finances, but that God is, is our only hope. He's the one that ultimately provides all of it to us. But that he also says, command people. Tell them, hey, be rich in good deeds. Be generous. Be willing to share. And, and I'll tell you, like when, when we encourage you to, to give on a Sunday morning, when we encourage you to be generous, it's not because we're trying to, to line our pockets and it's not because we're trying to earn favor with God. There, there's nothing we can do to, to earn God's favor, to earn his his pleasure. We, we can't buy God off in hopes that, you know, if, if we do, uh, if we give this much or we do these things, then God is going to be pleased with us. But we, we give because it makes a difference. We, we give because, because it helps advance God's kingdom here on, on earth. And, and that's, that's my goal. That's my heart and that's my desire. And I trust that it is yours as well. And, and so I, I do want to encourage you that, that if maybe you've gotten out of the habit of, of giving during all this COVID stuff and all the, uh, the changes and everything that we've been experiencing, now would be a great time to get back into that. And you can, you can give online. We have so many people that have started to give online on our website, and there's, you can set up recurring giving that way. Like I mentioned before, you can give through our church app. We have people that mail checks here to the church. And and obviously, we're not passing the buckets here on, on Sunday morning, but if you want to give here in person, we also have two boxes at the back of the worship center that you can give that way. But I, I'm just trusting and, and believing that God is going to continue to bless you as, as you're faithful and generous to give. Um, the Bible says that He gives seed to the sower, and and as you are sowing into His kingdom, that God is just going to provide you with the finances that you need as well. So if you would, just close your eyes. I want to just pray just a blessing over you, and then... Um, and then we will get on with our service this morning. So, Father, we, we just want to thank you, God, for, for how richly you have blessed every single one of us, Lord, that we, we give freely, we give willingly, we give cheerfully to you this morning, Lord. And, and God, we just ask and pray that you would just multiply and, and grow this offering that comes in today, that, that it would be used to make a difference here in, in South Bend, Lord. And, and God, that lives are going to be impacted, lives are going to be changed because of the generosity of your people. Lord, that, that's our heart's desire. That's our heart's prayers to see your kingdom grown and your kingdom advanced here in, in, in our community here. So, Lord, I just pray that you would just bless my friends abundantly as they give here this morning. And not only that, Lord, that you would just be here with us today. Lord, that you would give me the words to speak, that you would open our hearts to hear what you have to say to us today. Lord, God, we just commit the rest of this time that we have here to you. God, we give it to you and ask for you to have your way in our service today. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So last Sunday we began a new series that we were calling What's Next? What's Next? Moving Forward God's Way. And, and, and I spent a, a little bit of time last Sunday. If you haven't uh, read the, re, excuse me, watched the message or, or listened to it, I'd encourage you sometime this week to go back and do so because it kind of will set the stage for what we're talking about today and, and the next couple of weeks. But we, I was talking about how, just how it seems the first six months of this year, everything has just seemed so crazy and so chaotic and, and uncertain and, and out of control. Like we've had obviously the whole COVID stuff and we have the, the presidential election coming up and the, the, the racial unrest that we've been experiencing. And I, I mean, there's just so much that's been going on in these six months that when we think about our lives and we think about our family and we think about our church, trying to plan for how do we move forward when everything feels so uncertain. It, 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 you say, all right, how, how do we even do that? 
How do we try to move forward? How do we try to figure out what is next when, when, when everything just seems so uncertain? And, and we talked about last week that uncertainty is normal, that, that rare is the time in our lives where everything is smooth sailing, where everything is certain, where we can kind of feel like we know what's going to happen and what's coming next. And not only is, is uncertainty normal, but also the fact that God calls us into times of uncertainty. That there's so many examples in the Bible where, where God is actually calling people into a very uncertain future. And he does that because there are some things that happen in uncertainty that don't happen when things are just going well. Like when, when we have a good handle and a good control over everything that's going on in our lives, what need do we have for God in those times? Like if we can just, if we can just make do on our own, well, then God's not a necessity. But in those times of uncertainty, that's when we need to press into God. That's when we need Him all the more. And, and so it, it, I, I was thinking just kind of about this. A, a couple months ago, I, I watched the movie Saving Private Ryan. And, and I, I love the movie. It's a, it's a fantastic movie. And if you watch that opening scene in Saving Private Ryan, where it's, it's D-Day and they're storming the, the beaches of Normandy, I mean, it's, it's about as intense a, a, a scene in a movie as, as you can come across. And, and, and as, I, as I watch that, it, like, I have to remind myself, now granted, this is just a, a portrayal, this is just a depiction of what took place, but there were actual young men who were doing that same exact thing. When, when, those, when, when the, the front doors of those boats open up and they're you know, running through the surf and, and they're taking enemy fire and there's friendly fire coming from behind them, I, I mean... Like it, it was, it was about as, as chaotic a situation, a chaotic environment as you could as you can imagine. And and I put myself, I tried to put myself in the mindset of these young men who were who were trying to take these beaches in in France. And you think of just the the pressure and the fear, the sounds and the smells and the sights and I mean like everything that is just going on around them. It, it's it's almost like uh like you're in sensory overload like thinking what these young men did and and again like there there's there's the surf and there's the uncertainty of of where they're going and and everything just seems so chaotic like like a chaos that seems almost unimaginable to a, to us today and, and and there's a handful of of moments in history like this where where you think man these were actual these were actual men and women that that changed the course of history on this one day, like they had to rise to the occasion and do something completely unprecedented that changed the, the course of history. And, and as I think about it, I, I think, man, like these, these young men, like I, I turned 40 this past week, these young men are ha were half my age when, when they're going and, and storming the beaches of Normandy. Like I'm, I'm thinking, man, what in the world was I doing at 20 years old? And here, here's these guys who are literally changing the course of history. On, on this on this one day, you know, like literally undertaking one of the the gutsiest and and most perilous military campaigns in history, and they went forward into extreme uncertainty that that was before them, and and as we're talking about uncertainty, we we would be hard pressed to find a time in our lives or even a time in history that felt more uncertain than it did to these young men as as they were getting ready to partake in in operation overlord and, and i mean they had they had intelligence you know they had some aerial photographs nothing like we have 
today. But the, I mean, they, they were they, they, they had no idea what they were going to encounter when they, when they got into France. So, you know, were, were they going to make it? I mean, thousands upon thousands of men died on those beaches in just a few hours. Were they going to make it? Were the guys and the friends that they were fighting beside, were, were they going to make it alive? What was it going to be like? All right, if we can take this, this beach, what's it going to be like when we actually have to advance into France? And, and I mean, there, there's just so much that was coming around them. They, they were truly entering uncharted territory. And, and I shared with you last Sunday that when God had called Abraham to leave everything he had ever known and to go to a land that he was going to show him, that that was almost the textbook definition of uncertainty. Well, I, I mean, this ranks right up there, if not more so than with, with what Abraham was having to do with. And, and I bring up D-Day today because I really feel like it illustrates a couple things for us about what it means to move forward in uncertain times. How do we move forward when, when we're surrounded by uncertainty? And, and, and so, to, to be honest, there are times in our lives where we're faced with, it, with an uncertain future, we have an uncertain decision ahead of us, and we have to make that decision in a moment. There, there are times like that that happen. I, I mentioned to you last Sunday, when Jesus came and, and he what, called his disciples to come follow him, to be fishers of men. Like they had to make a, a decision right then in that moment. Am I, am I going to follow the, this guy or am I going to go back to the life that I had been living before? I, I, or, and, and obviously it's not nearly on the same scale, but we kind of, as, as a church, we had to kind of deal with that same thing that four months ago when we had to kind of shut everything down, we had two days to kind of figure out what does this look like to take service online? We'd, we'd never done that before. How do, how do we try to keep our church connected and, and keep tabs on people and still love and minister to people in a completely different environment than we had ever done before? There were just some things we had to just decide in, in a moment, right then and there. And, and, but, but more often than not, and oftentimes in our lives, when we're faced with an uncertain future, sometimes, uh, often it will take time for us to figure out, all right, what is the best plan forward? How do, how do we move forward when times feel uncertain. And if, if you think about D-Day, if you think about Operation Overlord, it took years to actually plan this, this invasion. This had never been done before in, in the history of warfare, to land 156,000 troops and countless jeeps and tanks and munitions and, and all of this and have them land in, in enemy-occupied territory and have them try to, try to like open up a, a new front in, in World War II. It, it, it literally took Franklin Roosevelt and, and Winston Churchill and um, Dwight Eisenhower and all the, the planners and the generals. It took them years to figure out, all right, what is it going to take for us to, to move forward to do this? And, and some of that was because there was so much at stake. There, there was so much riding on these decisions that they had to make that they had to make sure that they had it right. Like I said, like Russia was kind of fighting the Germans on, on the Western Front. They had to open a second front in the war in order to try to make some advancements towards Germany. There were countless lives at stake, not just the, the men who were landing on the beaches of Normandy, but also the, the millions of lives that would be lost if they failed, if they couldn't, if they couldn't advance, if, if Nazism was allowed to overtake the entire continent of Europe the, the millions upon millions of more lives that were going to be lost. 
There, there was so much at stake, and, and, and they were not guaranteed success. Like, th- th- this, was, this was either going to turn out one of two ways. This was either going to be one of the bravest and best military operations ever conducted, or it was going to be one of the greatest military failures ever. It was going to be one, one or, or the other. There was just so much at stake and so much riding on it that they had to get it right. And, and, and this wasn't something that they could enter flippantly. And that's why it took them, like, literally over, over years to decide, all right, how are we going to open up this second front? How are, we, how are the allies going to come in and essentially do an aquatic invasion of, of another country? And, and it's this idea that I kind of want to drill down on a little bit this morning as, as we're talking about how do we move forward as individuals? How do we move forward as families? How do we move forward together as a church when things feel very uncertain? And so just to kind of give us some context, I, w- I want to put ourselves in the mindset and, and put ourselves in the sandals of Jesus' disciples and, his, and his, in his, his disciples and followers after he had died on the cross, he had been risen, he would walked out of that grave, and he walked around on, on the earth for about 40 days after he had, after he had risen from, from the dead. And he kind of gives them some final instructions. He, gives, he, he has a number of conversations, and he gives some final instructions to his followers before, before, he, before he leaves, before he ascends into heaven. And we're going to begin in Acts chapter 1, and I want, I want to read for you verses 4 and 5. And, and Luke, the, the writer of Acts, he says, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. He said, Do not leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift that my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days from now, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus kind of instructs him. He says, okay, I don't want you to do anything right now. But before before you go out and do anything else, I want you just to stay in Jerusalem. I want you to just stay there and wait. And, and let me remind you, they had no idea what Jesus was talking about. They had no idea what being baptized in the Holy Spirit meant. They, they, they didn't understand what, what that was at all. And Jesus is saying, all right, so just hang out. Just chill. Just wait in Jerusalem for, for, for a little bit here. And, it, and it's right after this that he then gives them the great commission, that you're going to go be my witnesses to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And right after he gives that great commission, he he says, hey, hang out here in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit's going to come. I want you to be my witnesses. And that's when Jesus leaves. He sends sends into into heaven at at that moment. And and you talk about times that felt very uncertain. That's exactly what Jesus' disciples and what his followers were dealing with. That this, this rabbi, this teacher that they had been following for three years now, that they had listened to him teach and they had seen him do miracles and i mean mean, just do the incredible that that he had been everything to them for three years and now all of a sudden he was gone and he gives them just kind of this message all right i want you to stay in jerusalem because this gift of the holy spirit is going to be coming to you And, and other other than those two final instructions he says i want you to stay in jerusalem and I want you to go be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Other than that, he gave them no instructions whatsoever. He didn't, he didn't tell them what he, what he wanted them to do. He didn't say, all right, you guys are going to start the church. 
You're going to start this movement that's literally going to turn the world upside down, and here's how to do it. He didn't do that at all. He didn't give them a playbook. He didn't give them a manual. They're, they're, he didn't give them any, anything they would need in order to move forward. He, he didn't say, all right, this is how it's going to look. Now go do it. He just said, I want you to wait in Jerusalem, and you're going to be my witnesses. And that, that was it. Like they had a very uncertain future ahead of them especially after seeing what they had done to Jesus, that they had crucified him and, and what, they, you know, what had happened to, to Stephen a little while later. And you know, like they were going to make martyrs out of many of the early believers, many of the early leaders in the church. And they, they had a very uncertain future. Like how, how do we go and take this message about this guy who was, he was born to a virgin, he lived a sinless life, he was murdered, he raised himself from the dead, like, how do we take his message of grace and forgiveness and salvation and freedom and take this to the world? They, they, didn't, have, they didn't have a playbook. They didn't have a manual for what it was going to be. Like, they had a very daunting and uncertain task ahead of them. And, and so there, there's a few things, I think, that we can learn from Jesus' disciples and, and how they moved forward to help us as we kind of figure out how we move forward in our uncertain times that we're in right now. And so the, the first thing I want to share with you is this. The first thing I noticed that Jesus' disciples did was that they took their time. They took their time. They didn't, Jesus' disciples, they, they listened to what, what Jesus had to say. They hung out in Jerusalem. They didn't go and say, all right, you know what? He gave us this great commission, now let's go do it and just start burning the, burning the world down. That's not what they did at all. In fact, they took their time. They listened and they waited. They listened and they waited. And I, I, like, I, I think to myself, like if Jesus had come and literally spoke to me face to face and said, all right, I want you to go be my witnesses. I want you to like, essentially go start the church. I'd be like, all right, sign me up. Let's go. But they, they said, no, we're, we're going to wait. We're going to wait. And, and, and I believe, and this is my opinion, I believe they knew that they had to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. They had to wait for the Holy Spirit to come because without the Holy Spirit's help, without the Holy Spirit's guiding, without His leading, they were going to fail and they were going to fail miserably. Now while Jesus didn't give them a, a playbook for what it was going to look like, they knew the Holy Spirit was going to be the one to lead them. The Holy Spirit was going to be the one to, to guide them. And, and they were charged with a task that was way too big for them to try to accomplish on their own. Jesus, Jesus gave them way too big a task for them to try to figure out in their own mind and their own strength and their own thoughts. They needed the Holy Spirit's help to do this. And, and that's exactly what happened. We're going to skip to chapter 2 in Acts, and I'm going to read it for you verses 1 through 4. And this is what happens when the Holy Spirit actually comes upon these men. It says, When the day of Pentecost came, which was 10 days, 10 days had elapsed between when Jesus had ascended to heaven and when the day of Pentecost had come. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they, they knew that had they gone ahead and tried to fulfill that mission, had they tried to fulfill that great commission that Jesus had given to them without the gift of the Holy Spirit in their lives, they weren't going to be able to do it. They, they were going to fail spectacularly. And, and oftentimes, 
when we have something uncertain ahead of us, we need to wait on God's timing. We need to be willing to wait on God's timing. Because God's timing doesn't always match up with our timing. There's times we get itchy. There's times we want to like get moving, get doing things. And there's times where Jesus says, no, I want you to wait. And maybe there's things at work, there's things at play that maybe we aren't seeing right then and there. Because rushing into things, if we rush into things ahead of time, it can actually lead to terrible results. If you think about the, the D-Day invasion, what took place on June 6, 1944, like, had they rushed into that, there's a good possibility that many, many more casualties would have happened. Many more lives would have been lost. There's a good chance they could have lost that battle and there could have been a different outcome in World War II had they rushed into it. But they had to, they had to plan meticulously. They had to make sure that everything was right, that, that they were trying to cross all their T's and dot all their I's and make sure they knew what they were doing moving forward. And, and I'll tell you, it's that same thing with us in our lives too. Like, let us not rush ahead of God. Let, let's not rush ahead of, of, what it, of what His Holy Spirit is trying to, to tell us because again, what God has charged us with as the church is way too big for me. It's way too big for you. We do need the Holy Spirit's help. We need the Holy Spirit's leading and guidance as we move forward as a church as well. So that, that's the first thing. They, they were willing to wait. His disciples were willing to wait. But the second thing that they did is they prayed. The second thing that, that Jesus' disciples did as they were waiting for, for God to kind of give them the green light the, to go ahead, they prayed. They took some time to pray. Before they went out, before they shared the message of Jesus, they prayed. Going back to Acts chapter 1, this is, this is what they did in, during that waiting time. They weren't just sitting there twiddling their thumbs. In Acts chapter 1, verse 14, it says, They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Like when Jesus told them to stay in Jerusalem, it wasn't just wasted time, but they were actually taking time to pray. They, they wanted to make sure that they were preparing themselves for when God said go, that they were ready, that they were ready to go having their hearts ready, tuning their ears to, to hear from God and, and knowing, that, knowing what His plan was going to be and knowing what, what God's direction was going to be for them. That they were not going to haphazardly move forward, but that they needed to be united with one another. And that, there's something that happens when God's people pray. When, when I talked about unity a couple of weeks ago, one of the ways that God's people become united is when we pray. It, it unites us in, in, in a way when we become uh, of one mind and one heart. And, and, and that's what they needed. They needed that, and that's what we need as well as, as individuals, as, as families, and, and as a church body moving forward. And, and I want to share with you a, a verse that many of you have probably heard before. It's Proverbs chapter 3, and it's verses 5 and 6. And this is one we've... we've Many of you have probably seen this on placards on walls and, and things like that. But it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. But in all your ways, submit to Him and He will make your path straight. In all your ways, submit to Him and we, He will make your path straight. And it's a, it's a famous verse, but it's very, very true. Because prayer is an act of submission. Which says, in, in all your ways, submit to Him and He will make your path straight. Prayer is an act of submission. 
Prayer, prayer is, a, is, is kind of a, a declaration of surrender saying, I don't know it all. I can't figure it all out. I don't have all the answers. And so, God, I'm submitting myself to you. I'm submitting myself to, to what you want because, God, I, I need you. And he will make our path straight. That, that's the promise that he makes here, that when we submit ourselves to him, that he will make our path straight. Not, not putting our agenda and not putting our thoughts first. Like pr- prayer isn't just about telling God what we want him to do. But prayer is submitting ourselves before God. Saying, God, not, not what I want. God, I, I want what you want in my life. I want what you want in our church. Like, how, how many times have we done that in our lives where we've made plans and we've made, had ideas and thoughts and we've gone to God and said, all right, God, I want you to bless my ideas. Lord, make my thoughts work. Th- this agenda that I have, God, bless my agenda. How many times have we done that? How many times have I done that? Where I've told God what I thought we needed, what he needed to do. But instead, when we, when we pray, and it, it's, a, it's, a, it's an act of submission saying, God, I want to hear your thoughts. I want to hear your plans. I want to hear your ideas. Your, your, your plans and ideas are already going to be blessed because they're yours. I don't have to ask you to bless what you've already done, what you've already decided. And that's what submitting ourselves before him and asking, asking God, you know what, God, align my heart with yours. That, that's, that's what submitting ourselves in prayer really is all about. And, and another verse that kind of illustrates this is Psalm chapter 32, verses 6 through 8, and the psalmist writes this. He says, Therefore, let all the faithful, let all the faithful, let all the saints, let all the believers pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. And after we pray, it says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. And again, we, we see this relationship between our prayers and God's leading. Our prayer in God's, in God's direction. Where, where it begins, let the faithful pray. And what happens when we let the faithful pray? It says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. Prayer, prayer is key. Prayer is key for us. In, in seeking God's way forward in, in our uncertain times. And so I, I want to just kind of issue a challenge. I want to issue a challenge to every one of us in, in this room here, everybody who, who's joining us on, online today, that this week, every day this week, that instead of just going to God and saying, God, all right, I need you to do this for my kids and this for my wife and this at my job and, and this in my house and this in my finances. Instead of us going to God and, and having our, our list of things that we want God to bless and we want God to fix and we want God to do in our lives, I want to challenge every single one of us, and I, I'm including me in this, that every day this week, instead of going to God with, with our list, let's go to God with open ears. Say, God, God, what do you want to do in my life today? What, do, what, do you, what, do you, what is your plan for my family? God what, God, what is your plan for our church? What is it that, what is it that you want to do? And, and I'll tell you, that's going to be key for us. That as we move forward, as we talk about what's next for us here at Livingstones, when we talk about what's next for each of us as individuals, that we're not going to God and 
having our plans and telling him to bless those, but that, that we have open hearts and open ears to hear what God's plan is. And, I, and I'll, I'll tell you, like, as, as a staff and as, as the elders, we, we've talked and we have, some, we have some ideas. We have a few things that, that, we, that we think like God, what God wants to do, and I'm going to share a little bit of that with you next week some. But I, I really want to challenge all of us as a church, let, let's be praying. Let's be asking God, what is it that you, that you want? And so, and so I want to kind of close with one final thought here this morning. And it's, the, and it's this idea that God is not done with Living Stones Church. God, God isn't done with us. He's not done with His mission for what we have been called to here in South Bend. It, it's not over with. If, if you look at the history of God's church, God's church is always changing. It's always moving. It's always in flux. There's different things that happen all the time, and God's church is always moving forward. It's all, but it always looks a little bit different. The way we do church today is different than church was done 50 years ago. It's different than how church was done 100 years ago or even 1,000 years ago. That God's church is always changing and moving and adapting. And I'll tell you, like that's, that's what's happening with us right now. Like We are entering a new season, not just of Livingstone's church, we're entering a new season of God's church. As I've talked with pastors literally around, around the country, the questions that we're wrestling with as a church is the same questions that every church is wrestling with. How, how do we move forward? How do we minister to people? How do we make an impact in our community? And how do we make an impact and make a difference where we are given what's going on around us right now? given the restrictions that we have, given you know, that there's a lot of people that are not quite comfortable coming and sitting in, in service. Well, that's okay. All right, let's figure out what are new ways that we can minister to them. If, pe- people, aren't, if people aren't banging down our doors, all right, what do we need to do to go out and, and minister to them in, in those ways? And, and, and I'll tell you, in a lot of ways, that's where I, I see us right now is we're, we're, at, we're asking those same questions. And, and, and in this new season, we're kind of, I, I, I want us to be an open book. There, there's going to be things that, that we're going to do that maybe we've never done before, things we've never tried before. Some of them might work, some of them might not, but hey, we're going to be willing to try some new things. We're going to try doing some, th- some, some things to reach people given the, the environment that, we, that we're in right now. We're, we're going we're gonna to reevaluate some of the things that we have been doing. All right, is, is that what's best for us moving forward? Is this going to help us accomplish the mission that God has called all of us to? And, and, and again, that doesn't mean we're burning down the house and starting from scratch. We're, we're just kind of saying, all right, this, this is the question I've been asking our staff and asking our elders here, is what would a brand new church be doing right now? If we were a brand new church, just starting out, what would we be doing? How would we be effective? How would we minister to the people that are, that are within our walls? And how would we minister to the people who aren't here yet? Those are the kinds of questions I'm asking. And I don't know about you, but man, I'm hungry for, to see God do something. Like, I, I'm hungry to see God do something here in, here, here in our community. And I want us, I want us to be on the front lines of that. When, when you think of that, that, that picture of, of the men storming the beaches of Normandy and, and as soon as the, the, the door opened up on, on, on those ships and they're storming and, and running through the surf and, and all of this, like 
That's what I want to see us doing. I, I want us going and, and taking the city, entering enemy-occupied territory, and taking it back for God. Like, that's what I, I want to see us doing. I want us to be on the front lines. I don't want the world, and I don't want the church passing us by, and, and we miss it. We need to be listening. We need to be open. We, we, can't, we can't be so tied to the way we've always done it, or, or well, that will never work, or, and just say, all right, God, what is it that you have for us? What is it you want us to do in this season? What do you want us to do in this moment? And again, this, this is, I, 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 I told you guys this last Sunday too, I, I don't know everything about what our church is going to look like six months from now or a year from now. I, I, can't, I can't tell all that to you because I don't know yet. But I want you to know I'm listening. I'm praying about it. I'm saying, God, what, what is it you have for us? What is that next step? All right? and, and oftentimes, that's how God works. God doesn't always illuminate the, fu- the final destination. He just says, all right, here's the next step. I want you to take it. And then here's the next step. I want you to take it. And here's the next step, and I want you to take it. And that's what I want us to be doing as a church. Let's take that next step as it comes. Let's hear from God and be willing to be obedient and take that next step with Him. So if you would, just close your eyes for me. I just want to pray over, over all of us, everybody here in the room, everybody who's joining us online. And Father, I, I just want to thank you, God, that you, that you are in control, that you are in charge. Lord, that this is not my church, this is not our church. God, this is your church. And God, we're so grateful and so we're so thankful, Lord, that you, you called us here. God, you asked us to, to, to stand here and to make a difference here in, in South Bend. And Lord, I, I just pray, God, that our hearts are going to be open to hear from you. God, we don't want to come to you with our, our 2020 agenda all the things that we think need to happen and just ask you to bless them, Lord. God, we want to hear from you. God, we need your Holy Spirit to lead us. We need your Holy Spirit to guide us because what, you, what you've called us to here at Livingstone's Church is bigger than us. It, it's more than we can do on our own, Lord. We can't do it without you. So God, we submit ourselves before you. God, we submit our church before you. God, as the pastor of Living Stones, I submit myself before you. And I ask you to make our path straight. I ask you to lead us, to guide us. God, that we would be able to, to see the fruit of our labors, Lord. God, we don't, we don't, want, just a, we don't want just want a name. We don't, want a, we don't just want a church that people come and, and occupy a seat. That's not, that's not what I'm after. That's not what our church is after. God, we want to see lives changed. We want to see addictions broken. We want to see people set free. God, we want to see you do a mighty work. So God, our, our hearts are open to you. God, we're, we're waiting on you. And we're listening. And we're submitting ourselves before you. God, as we do that, Lord, I pray that you would speak that you would unite us together, that we would be of one mind, that we would be of one accord, and God, that we would move forward together as one body, making a difference here in South Bend. Lord, we love you. God, we thank you for what you're doing in us and what you're doing through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we're going to take...
communion right now, so if you want to go grab your communion elements here. And, and if you joined us for our Facebook Live devotional on, on Thursday, I was sharing a little bit about kind of what I've been up to, what I've been working on at our, at our house for the last week or so, that we've been trying to do a bunch of things at the house to try to get it ready to sell. And, and one, of, one of the things that we've had in our house, and I don't know why, and maybe you guys love carpet in the kitchen, but like, for some reason they put carpeting in the kitchen when we bought it when we bought our house, and it's terrible. Like I just, I don't know why that was ever an idea. And and we did like what it seems like every homeowner does that we've like cursed that carpet in the kitchen for like seven and a half years and never done anything about it until we're getting ready to sell the house. And, and we're doing, we, like, we have a number of projects like that on the house that we've just been, like, that's been on our list for a long time. And now that we're finally getting ready to try to sell our house, now we've been starting to check those things off, off the list. And I, and I was thinking about that, you know, the things that we do to try to make our house so appealing to a prospective buyer. You know, maybe you put on a, a new coat of paint, or you do a real deep cleaning, or you're putting tile in the kitchen instead of carpet in the kitchen and all this because because what we're what we're hoping for we, we're trying to cover up all the warts and you know all all the the blemishes because we want we want whoever comes into our house to come and see wow you know what this this is my home this, this is where this is where i i feel comfortable and, and and i was reflecting on that this week about doing all these different projects and stuff, that I'm so grateful that that's not how God interacts with us. That He doesn't relate with us like that. That, that we don't have to try to put on a new coat of paint or declutter all the rooms or to hide all the things that we don't want other people to see. That Jesus sees all of our mess. He sees all the things that we don't want others to see and He still pursues us anyways. And I'm so, I'm so grateful for that. And, and you've probably heard me say this before, but my favorite, my favorite Bible verse is, is Romans 5.8 that says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And I love that. Because God didn't wait for us to, to get everything organized and squared away. And he didn't wait for us to get our, our, our house in order before he came and pursued us, before he was willing to come and die for us. That he... Jesus came pursuing us while the paint was still peeling on the house and while there was water leaking in the basement and while, while there was still carpet in the kitchen. Jesus came pursuing us even in that state. And, I, and I'm so grateful and I'm so thankful for that. And, and so as we take communion together, I, just, I want us to remember that. I want us to remember that Jesus came seeking us well before we ever had it together. He came seeking us before we had it all together. And, and I'm grateful that he did. And the good news is that Jesus comes and he finds us wherever we are, but he never wants us to stay there. He always wants us to take that next step and to grow as well. And so if, if you would, just grab, grab the, the cracker, the wafer right here. And let's just remember what it is that God did for us by sending his son to die for us, even while we were a mess. Let's take the bread together. And that he's spilled 
his precious blood even while we were spitting in his face. He did this for us. Let's take the juice together. Father, we just want to thank you, God, for loving us enough that you didn't wait for us to, to get it all right, you didn't wait for us to get it together, Lord, but that while we were yet sinners, Jesus, you came and died for us, and we thank you for that. Thank you for making that incredible sacrifice on our behalf, paying that price that we could never pay. God, we just want to honor you and remember that sacrifice that you made. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand one more time? We're going to worship one final time today.